0: good morning, Central Church. Great to see you this morning, everyone that's here. And if you're watching us live this morning on Facebook Live or our website or Fox now, is that correct? I should know that. I think it's Fox. Um, Anyways, if you're watching us in a... um, internet source or a television source. We're glad you're joining us this morning. And the downtown campus is joining us today, our, our campus down in the Pettigrew Heights area. Uh, Bill and Anya, we love you guys. We love the, the congregation, the family of faith down there. So we pray that, that this message uh, will have an impact on you and your lives and the community down there. So God bless you guys. Uh, when you came in this morning, you got a white bulletin insert. Do me a favor, tear that for me real quickly. Just tear the perforation. This serves two purposes. One, the thin portion is a communication card. You can update contact information. And at the top of that sheet, there's a place for prayer requests. If you need prayer, if someone in your family or a friend needs prayer, write that down on that prayer request card. And then when you leave, there are boxes attached to the walls that you can just drop that in um, and we'll get that on the prayer list. We send that out to dozens of people in the church that pray over these every single week. If you have a physical offering that you want to worship God with this morning, cash or a check, you can drop that in the very same box on your way out. This morning, let's pray as we open up God's Word this morning, the Scriptures, and study them. Lord, we thank you for the, the, the power of Scripture. Your, your, your Word describes Scripture as um, being alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, even able to to pierce to the point of our attitudes and our desires, and um, Lord, causing us to be convicted of things that we're uh, doing that aren't right and helping to instruct us in things that are right. God, thank you for the power of Scripture, and Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning that you are here Uh, You are here, whether we're here live or whether we're watching from a living room or another congregation or on television, you're with everyone that's watching right now to open our hearts and to reveal to us the truth of Scripture. Jesus, you said the Holy Spirit would lead us in truth. The Holy Spirit would reveal truth. And so we need you to do that today, Lord, so that we can apply this in our lives and see transformation. That's our heart today, God. So we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Man, it is great to see all of you this morning. I hope you brought a Bible. Uh, if you have one, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. If you hit the New Testament, you're on the right path. It's, it's just four books away, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. If you need a Bible, there's probably one in the seat in front of you, uh, or if you're up front, maybe under one of the seats. John, chapter 14, we're going to be there in just a moment. Every human at some point asks the question, either out loud, verbally, or inside their own heart. The question is this, does God exist? Is there a God? Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says that God has placed eternity in every human heart, which means that God has created in us an awareness that there's more to life than this life that we're living now. There's something after this life. Eternity means that there, there's something beyond this. And so, so the question is, if God exists, how do we find Him? Is, is there more than one way to find God? Some people believe that there's, there's many ways to God. What do you believe? Are there, are there many different ways to get to the same place? You just choose the one that you're comfortable with. What do the people in your relational world believe about God or about heaven? Is there there lots of ways to get there? And it just depends on you and and what you're comfortable with. That's what Jesus addresses in John chapter 14, the first first few verses. A couple of weeks ago, I was at my mom's house in California. My mom's in her her mid-80s, and she had a friend over, a lady friend over, super pleasant, warm lady and, and she knew, my mom had told her that I was a pastor, so she was probably a little on the defense as she came in, knowing that I was a pastor. And, and she, in the course of conversation, she, she communicated to us that she was a Taoist. Taoist Taoism is an, an Eastern philosophy. And essentially, Taoism teaches, and I know a little bit about, about this Eastern philosophy, it, it teaches that that the Tao is this impersonal force, this energy that connects everything in the universe. All matter is connected by the Tao. And she said, our responsibility as people is to find our uniqueness in the universe, our unique connection to the Tao. And if we're able to connect in in, in this unique way, then we experience harmony. And she she, she went on to say that if, if a family or a community can can find their uniqueness, she called it her essence, we're searching for our essence, our connection with the Tao, this impersonal uh, energy force that holds everything in the universe together. She said then a whole community can experience harmony, a nation can experience harmony, and she says the key is you finding your your unique connection. I said, well, what, what if there's a God, what if there's like a personal God, and she said that's great. She said, if if you believe in a God and and your God is personal, that's wonderful because because Taoists, we do not impose our beliefs or how we connect with the Tao on other people. Anything's possible and it's up to you to determine how you connect. And I said, okay, well, what if there's not only a God, but what if there's a personal God and what if he chose the way through which we connect with him? She said, that's great. It doesn't matter. That's not how I connect. But if you connect that way, that's wonderful for you, and and you should experience harmony in your life, because that's the goal, is harmony in life. We're going to come back to that thought in just a minute. Jesus addresses that in John chapter 14. Let me give you the context of these verses we're going to read this morning. John chapters 13 through 18, five chapters, all take place in a few hours. John 13 to 18 are Jesus' last words to his disciples at the Passover meal the night before the cross. So th- five chapters only cover a couple of hours in the life of Jesus and in the life of, of the disciples. So they're at this, this Passover meal and, and, and they begin to excuse me to discuss things like Jesus says, Someone's one of you is gonna betray me. And they're like, Who is it, Lord? Jesus flat out calls Peter out. Uh, in that meal, and says, You're going to deny me three times before the night's over. Jesus said, he, he talked about the cross and He talked about the fact that He was going away. And the disciples are getting really nervous, and You're going away. Wait a second. You, you said you were going to set up your kingdom. You said that we were going to be a part of your kingdom. Where are you going? And so the disciples begin to be very anxious and very nervous in this moment as they're sharing this. This meal with Jesus, and we pick it up in John chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Let's pause there. Jesus is literally saying, in in the Greek grammar, there, he's saying, Stop allowing your heart to be fearful. Jesus would indicate that we have some control over, over the level of anxiety in our lives. Stop being worried. About what's going to happen. Stop being worried about the future which you can't control. Stop allowing your heart to run wild with imaginations and fear and what's going on. How do we do that? Verse 2, believe in God. Trust in God and trust also in me. Trust that we have a secure future for you. Trust that we have a good plan for your life. Believe in God Believe also in me. In my Father's house, Jesus says, are many dwelling places or many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place there for you in my Father's house. Now, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to return. I'm going to come again, and I will receive you to myself, so that where I am in my Father's house, there you may be also. And then he says, and you know the way where I'm going." And Thomas says, wait, no, 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 we, we don't know where you're going. You've not been clear about where you're going. And so then he asked the question that, that all humanity asks, what's the way? How do we get there in verse 6? How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, one of the most famous passages of, of Scripture in all of the Bible, Jesus said, I am the way. And I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. No no one gets to the Father, gets to heaven, except through me. Now, we're only going to talk this morning about Jesus' statement that He is the way, but He also said, I am the truth. When Jesus talks about the truth, when, when he says, I am the truth, he means I am the truth about who God is. I am, I am the full revelation. I am the full unveiling. I am the, the perfect expression of who God is. In fact, later in those verses, Jesus says to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you, if you see who I am and what I'm like, it's the same as seeing the Father because I and the Father are one. Jesus saying, I'm, I'm God. But if you see me, You know who God? I am. I am the truth about God. I I came to reveal the truth about who God is. And then he says, I am the life. I am the source of life. I am the the, the source of physical and spiritual life. Remember, going back to chapter one, John said, nothing was created in the universe that Jesus didn't create. All things were created by him and for him. Jesus is the source of all physical life. In the universe. And he's the source of spiritual life. If you will invite him into your life, you can be spiritually alive. So you can have physical life and spiritual life through Christ. I am the truth and I am the life. But Jesus said also, I am the way. Now, what does he mean by saying, I am the way? I want to talk just for a few minutes about the way to God. What is the way to God? And if you're taking notes, the first thing is, is the way to God is Jesus. Let's make it really simple. The way to God is Jesus. Again, John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. The way to God is not a path. It's a person. The way to God is not a road. It's a relationship. Uh, A path and a road is something that you walk on or you travel on. If you want to come to the end of a road or to the end of a path, it requires human effort. You have to do something to get there. Think think about all the ways we use the word road. I'm on the road to success. I'm on the road to happiness. I'm on the, the pathway to peace or whatever prosperity, whatever it is. It means that there are things that you do along the way to get to the end of the road. There is some human effort involved. My my wife, Charlene, and I, whenever we travel to see one of our kids in St. Louis or or Houston or or Southern California, we get on Google Maps and we, we look up running trails or walking paths, and we'll we'll find where they are, and if there's a good one, we'll go. and, and I will run, and she will walk, or all, we'll, we'll walk together, or whatever. That doesn't happen too often. It's usually me running and you walking. But, um. Yeah, but we find the path, and if we if we want to get to the end of the path, we do the walking. There, there are it's human effort involved. Jesus said, "The way to God, is not a a path that you." that you travel, it's a person you trust. It's not a path that you travel, it's a a person that you trust. The Jews mixed it up. The the Jews believed that that if you were going to to find your way to God, it was because of religious activity. You had to keep the law. There there were rigid requirements that you had to keep in order to be accepted by God. So back in John chapter 6, we read this. The the, the Jews were saying to him, what are we to do? Notice the the emphasis on action. What are we to do so that we may accomplish the works of God? It's the works of God that get us into right standing with God. It's the works of God that, that bring us into this relationship with God. So what do we have to do, Lord, to accomplish the works? And Jesus sort of plays along with their game. And he says, the works of God are that you believe in him that you believe in me. This isn't about human effort, this is about faith. This is about trusting Jesus Christ, trusting who he said he was, trusting who the prophets said he was. It's actually believing that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. That Jesus was God in heaven, fully God, but he took on flesh and blood. And he lived a sinless life and he died a criminal's death on a cross and on the cross he bore the sins of all of humanity because he was the only person ever born into this world that was qualified to bear the sin of the world because he had no sin. He was born of a virgin, not Adam's seed. Only human that could ever bear the weight of sin. You have to believe in Christ. That he took sin on himself, that he was buried, that he was placed in a tomb, and after three days he rose from the dead, and then he ascended to God the Father 40 days later, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father in authority. That's believing in Christ, not believing that you're a good enough person to earn salvation and to earn God's favor. It's simply believing that Jesus died for your sin because you couldn't die for your own sin, because you're a sinner. The way to God is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's the challenge there there are churches that that don't, in their teaching, emphasize that it's a personal relationship with God. Instead, it's religious activity, it's it's things that we have to do. We we have to stay in good standing with the church. I mean, you know, get divorced, do that sin, whoa, you're probably out because you're not in right standing with the church which has nothing to do with faith in Christ. You are saved on the basis of of faith by grace in Jesus Christ alone, not human effort. Jesus is saying the way to God is not a path that you walk. It's a person. It's not a road. It's a relationship. It's knowing Him. So the question is, do you know the way to God, Jesus Christ? Well, not only is the way to God Jesus, but the way to God is inclusive. It's inclusive. I'll explain what I mean by that. Again, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father. No one can can go to the Father apart from Christ. Now, clearly, Jesus is saying there is only one way to heaven. There, 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 There aren't multiple ways you don't get to choose the way. There, there, there is one way. But it's not exclusive. It's not just for a few elite people. It's not just for the few people that can really live the right life. It's inclusive, meaning the invitation to this life goes out to everybody. So again, we go back to John chapter 1. John says, But, but as many, all who receive Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, those who do what? Believe in His name. To all who put their faith in Christ, He gave the, the authority to be children of God. Not all who do the works, and all, it, it's who believe in Him. Everyone. We go to chapter 3, John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. You know these verses. For God so loved who? A select few. His favorites. Those people that are really good people. No, God loved the world and all those in it. He so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes, has faith in Him, should not perish, be separated from God eternally, but have eternal life with God. And then you may not know the the, verse 17, the following verse, but it says this, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn or judge the world, but He sent His Son into the world that through Him the world would be saved. Who would be saved? The world. This is Inclusive. This is the entire world. The invitation goes out to everybody. God so loved you that he made a way for you to be saved through Jesus Christ. We go on. 2 Peter 3 9. The Lord is not slow about his promise to return to the earth, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing for any to perish, but for who? Say it again all to come to repentance. What's the heart of God for you? That you come to repentance and faith and are saved through Christ. God so loved the world that He gave His Son. And the last scripture here, John 14, 2, in my father's house, there's a couple of rooms. My my father's house is a a little two-bedroom condo. And if you're one of the two, lucky for you, if you're not one of the two, sorry, not room, No, there's space in the Father's house. There's lots of room, many rooms. If if you want a room, you can have it. It's inclusive, not exclusive. When Jesus said, no one can come to the Father except through me, he's, he's simply stating a spiritual condition. Because of humanity's sin and everyone's sins, no one had the ability or the way to get to God. There was no way to get there. So because we could not get to God, guess what had to to happen? God had to to come to us. So we're we're here on the earth and, and we're dead in sin and there's no way to be made alive. There's no way to get to God. So the way, Jesus Christ came to us. Isn't that good news? So, how many of you have followed the the news in Miami with the the collapsed uh, apartment complex. Tragedy and and, and people buried alive. And so initially the first responders went in and they were trying to find anybody that was alive buried under the rubble, buried under the cement and the the, the, the scraps of metal and, and all of that stuff. And so they, they, they went in, and, and they found people alive, people screaming, people making noise, people banging, so that they would gain the attention of whoever might, might be out there. They couldn't see. They're, they're in darkness, much like us. And, and initially, some of the first responders found people, and they said, hold on, we're going we're to tunnel away. We're going we're gonna to dig you out. We're going to make a way for you to get out. Now, what if, after hearing that from the first responders, someone buried said, uh, hold on, hold on. I don't really like that way. I'm gonna wait for a different way. I, I I don't I don't like this way. Like, how foolish is that? Like the first responders, like, I'm here. I'm gonna I'm gonna unbury you, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig you out, I'm gonna make a tunnel. There's there's gonna be a way. And you say, I don't, I don't want that way. And that's what people do. Buried in the rubble of sin, Jesus Christ comes to the earth and begins to unbury them and says, I'm here. I have a way out. And they say, I don't like that way. It may be the only way, but it's the way that that Jesus offers every single person. I'm, I'm, I'm offering you a way out through me. Now back to my mom's friend. Why did she adopt and like Taoism? Because Taoism teaches that you can, you can determine the way to God. You can decide for yourself how to get there. Essentially, you can live the life that you want to live, and it's all good. And, and no one's going to impose on you their way. Your way is the only important way. See, people like for, their, they like for there to be many ways to God because they, they can choose the way they like. They can choose the way that fits their lifestyle. They, they don't want to live differently. They don't, they don't like the way of Jesus. They don't want to follow that way so they're more comfortable with their own way. Where are you today? Are you willing to say, Jesus, you are the only way out of the rubble, you're the only way out of being buried alive, I accept your way. Or, no thanks, I'm going I'm to find my own way. And, and here's the reality, friends, that way is never coming. That, that way is never coming to you in the rubble and, and is going to dig you out. There is only one who can dig you out of that, and it's Jesus Christ. Have you accepted the way? It's an inclusive way. It's not exclusive. He comes to each of us and offers us life through him. The way to God is not only Jesus and the way to God is not only inclusive, but the way to God is future. The whole first part of this text is is future oriented and here's what it says in, in verses two and three. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms, it's a reference to heaven, the Father's house at this point. If that were not so, I would have told you because I'm going there to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again. And I will take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be there also. Jesus is not talking about the earth. He's talking about going to the Father's house. At this point, that's heaven. This is a reference to the rapture of the church. If you were here for our Revelation series, let me give you a little bit of an an end times timeline that we talk about. We, We are currently in the church age. The church age began after the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension to heaven. And the church was born. The church was started. And so from that point on, we've been going out and sharing Jesus, preaching the gospel with with anybody that we can find. Global missionaries, local missionaries, you and I in our relational worlds, sharing Jesus, trying to get as many people to know Christ as we can. That's the church age. The church age is going to end with the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is when Jesus returns... And talks about what he's talking about in these verses. I'm coming, I'm preparing a place, I'm coming back for you, and then I'm taking you back to my father's house. So at the end of the church age, the church is raptured, taken with Jesus for a period of seven human years. During those seven human years on the earth, there's tribulation. During the seven years of tribulation on the earth. At the end of the seven year period, Jesus returns to the earth with his church and he establishes his kingdom on the earth for a thousand years. It's called the millennium. Jesus will reign from literal Jerusalem on on the throne of David. He will reign there for a thousand years on the earth. At the end of the thousand years, Satan is going to be thrown into hell forever and at that point... There, Jesus said there's going to be the creation of a new heaven and a new earth. And the, 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 the dwelling of God is going to come to the earth and we're going to live with God then forever in this new earth and new heavens, this new universe that God's going to create. So when Jesus says, I'm, I'm going away, I'm preparing a place, I'm going to come back to you, then I'm going to take you back to that place, that's, that's not the second coming of Christ before the thousand year period because it would be on earth. But this is a different place. So my question is, there's there's nothing in prophecy that says something still has yet to take place before the rapture. The rapture could happen at any moment. Christ could come back for his bride at any moment and catch her up and take her away. The question is, are you going to be left behind? See, the way to God is future, but we prepare for it now. Are you prepared for the return of Jesus Christ? Have you accepted the way? Have you entered into a relationship with Jesus and become part of his church, part of his bride, so that when he returns, you're part of that group that goes with him to the Father's house for the marriage supper of the Lamb? Well, the way to God is not only future, but the way to God is present. If you're taking taking notes. The way to God is present. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Present tense, continuous in the Greek. I am now, and I will always be the way. We just said there's future implications to the way, but there's also present day implications to the way. Because when, when Jesus says, when he talks about I am the way, he means I'm not only the way to heaven, but I'm the way to a new life now. I'm calling you to a different life through me. I'm calling you to live according to the way I lived. Did you know that there's a a higher way to live than humanity is living without Christ? There's a a, a better way to live. There's a a holier way to live. There's a redeemed way to live that Jesus demonstrated for us. And he calls us to live that life. Did you know that Christianity in the first century was not called Christianity. It was called, guess, the way. Did you know that? So look at these scriptures. Write these scriptures down. They talk about people who are involved with the way. The church was referred to as the way. It's possible that that meant what, what we're talking about in John fourteen six 6, that, that Jesus is the way to heaven. But that's not likely what's more likely is they were identified as the way because they lived according to the way Jesus lived. They lived more like Jesus than like the world. They lived according to the way. Like, would, would the world today say that about the church? Would, would they still call us the way that we live according to the way of Jesus? Like, sometimes I doubt it. Sometimes I think the line of de- demarcation between the church and the world is kind of blurred. Like, there's not a clear line sometimes. Like, I don't know if, if when people look at Christians today, they think that, wow, they are so much like the way Jesus lived. And yet Jesus calls us to this, this higher place, this holier place, this different life, a new way of living. See, the way is present right now in our lives. And here's the problem. I don't live according to the way. I look back on 40 years of marriage. I've not lived according to Christ's way as a husband. I've been harsh. I've been impatient. I've been rude. I've been mean. I've fallen short of the way that Jesus expects a husband to treat his bride. Jesus doesn't treat his bride like that. There's a higher standard for me, and I fall short. I fell short as a dad. I didn't do the right things, didn't direct them in the right way. It wasn't the best example for, for my children. They turned out okay, but only by the grace of God. Like, like I really didn't follow the way like I should have. I, I, I don't follow the way in the way I think, in my thoughts, in my words. I, I don't follow the way of Jesus. Jesus. I don't follow the way in my attitudes. Sometimes I'm a mess. Sometimes I fall so short of, of the way. And yet God still calls me to this higher, holier, better, redeemed way to live through Christ and gives me no excuse. How do I know that? Let's look at the Scripture. John 10.10, 10, Jesus says the thief only comes to, to kill and steal and destroy. I came, Jesus said I came, so that everyone would have life. And he didn't stop there, even life to its fullest. Jesus demonstrated how God intended humanity to live. That's full life. And that's how we're supposed to live. I, didn't, I, I came that you would have life, even full life, abundant life. Are you living it? Let's go on. Colossians 1.29, Paul says, to do this, I work and I struggle using Christ's great strength that works so powerfully in me. In order to accomplish the purpose of God, I do it by the strength that God provides, the strength of Christ that works so mightily inside of me. Let's go on. Philippians 2.13, Paul says, God is working in you giving you both the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. God doesn't let me off the hook, friends. I wish He did. I wish there was a mid-standard. Jeff would probably aspire to the mid-standard of Jesus. It's full standard. Paul says, I've got things to do. God's called, and I do it by the, by the power that Jesus works in me. God has, is working in you both to, to give you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. There is a way to live differently in life. Have you encountered the way? You can't live according to the way of Jesus unless you know Jesus. It's the power of Christ in us. So let me ask you the question, what is the area of life right now that you are falling short of the way? and making excuses. I'll never be that. I could never change that. Really? That's not what Jesus expects. See, many of us live in this this theology of the way that says the way is future. I've put my trust in Jesus Christ. I'm convinced of my salvation, my sin has been forgiven, I'm good with God, and one day I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to live mid-standard or low-standard the rest of my life. The way is the way of Christ, and it's not just a future reality, it's a present reality that He empowers to live according to. See, God's intention for your life and God's intention for my life is that the people in your relational world, the people that you interact with every day that don't know Jesus would look at your life and see the way, the way of Christ. In your words, in your attitudes, in your actions, in your roles, in your leadership, in every area that you would be called one who follows the way. How are we doing? If you're here this morning and you've never encountered Christ, you thought maybe there's other ways, and today you're going, oh, wow, I didn't know there was only one way, and it's Jesus. And that means I have to not only accept Jesus into my life by faith, but I need to start walking according to the way, and I'm willing to do that. I I, I want Jesus Christ in my life. I want to pray with you. Would you bow your heads this morning? Would you pray this from your heart this morning? Say, Lord, I'm sorry that I've wanted to live my own life. But today I'm convicted. Today I see that I need Christ. There's there's no other way to the Father except through Christ. Jesus, would you forgive me right now? Would you cleanse me from all of my sin, past, present, and future? Would you save me? Would you fill me even now, Lord, with the Holy Spirit so I can live according to the way of Christ? Help me, Lord. Save me. Deliver me from my sin. And help me to know you. Would you stand with me this morning, friends? And as we close our time, there's there's one area of your life right now, as as I've shared this, that you know you're not walking in the way. We're going to bring that to the Lord right now and ask him to help us. Can we do that? Lord, we confess right now that as we look at the life of Jesus and the way we're supposed to live that we fall short. We thank you for grace, but we don't use grace as an excuse. We know that there's a higher calling, a holier calling, a redeemed calling that we are to live differently. Help us this week, Lord, to live according to the way. As you go out this week, how could you lovingly share the truth of John 14, 6 with people in your relational world? Without condemning or imposing, how can you introduce them to the way? Because many don't believe in the way. How can you have an impact on those in your world that Jesus came to undig and bury out of the rubble of sin? how can you lovingly offer them the way? As you exit this morning, remember there are uh, boxes for your prayer requests and offerings. And if you need prayer this morning, you'd like some prayer, personal prayer. We have have people that are going to be available down here in front. Just come down. Those that are with you will wait. If you would just like someone to pray with you, maybe about that area that we talked about, that you're falling short of Christ's way. When there was no way to God, God came to us. May you choose Jesus Christ the only way to God. And may the power of Jesus Christ open a new way to live life. Amen. God bless you today.